telling stories from the EGA Clubhouse. Hi, everyone. Welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. I'm Mattia Fioravanti. I'm a client relations manager for Nexus TV, Milan, Italy. And today we're going to be speaking with three marvelous guests. So here's the moment of truth. I will butcher your, their names or not. Hopefully not. We've got Isis Nix from The Kitchen. Hi, Isis. Hi, Mattia. How are you? Thank you for having me. Doing great. We've got uh, Simran Singh from Sound and Vision India. Hi, Matea. Hi there. And we've got Gokchie Kara from Saran Digital Studios. Hi, Matea. Fantastic. Um, so can you please uh, uh, briefly introduce yourselves and uh, tell us about your respective roles in uh, the companies that you work for? Let's start with Isis. Yes, Matia. Um, I work as a project manager at the kitchen, uh, supervising the projects that we have for uh, you know from LATAM. In you know, we have several studios in Latin America, and I've been doing that for almost two years. Prior to that, I was working with Discovery Channel for many many years, and that's why I'm very familiar with the dubbing uh, processes that uh, we are doing here at the kitchen. Marvelous. What about you, Simran? I, uh, I've been part of the dubbing industry in India since uh, 97. Uh, I started out when I was 17 and dropped out of college. Uh, after that, for the last 25 years, I've been in and out of the industry in different roles. Uh, and currently, I work as a creative director and director with Sound and Vision. Fantastic. Uh, and what about you, Gokche? And now I work as a project manager at Saran Digital Studios. I was an audiovisual translator before that for nearly 10 years. So most of my professional life has been in dubbing industry in general. Fantastic. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, I personally would speak about localization at lands for hours. Uh, let's start with a couple of questions for a uh, project manager, and I would uh, start with Isis. What does your ideal project look like? What do you need when you get to work on a project? Yeah, the ideal project will be having all materials together, having uh, the, the technical specs from the client, making sure that everything is clear from the inception of the project. And also the delivery dates are realistic delivery dates. And, and basically that's it. When I have all these components all together, I'm a happy camper. Fantastic. So let's hear from another project manager, Gokchie. What about you? Is it the same? Obviously it's the same. I mean, the ideal project uh, would look like the one that runs smoothly with loose due dates not in a tight deadline and which is really hard to find in this Turkish dubbing demand in the world. So let's hear from Simran as well, although she uh, works um, uh, as well for as a dubbing director, I imagine it's the same for you. Um, but it looks like uh, it's not always the case that, you know, all material is final and ready to go and the due dates are uh, clear to everybody. It seems to me, what do you say? I feel time, time and due dates are something that really do all if, when we have flexible time or we have enough time is an ideal project for me. Uh, 
when we when we get time to actually work on it creatively in the scripting process and the recording process without rushing it and invariably that doesn't happen because we are the last stage in any production we are the absolute last stage so we are always the end of the deadline yes i i can definitely understand what you mean it's the same for us so i'll stay with you with a question um for everybody who's listening and uh, is not familiar with your role what is a dubbing director and what he or she does in in the localization world uh i think a, a dubbing director makes sure that the end user's experience is as close to the original content as possible whether that means in terms of the casting in terms of uh, and in india we as dubbing directors are also casting directors so i know that there are countries where those jobs are separate but we are integrated in that so it is with casting with the content with the treatment in a lot of ways it is actually to the end users experience being as seamless to the original as close to the original well makes perfect sense um isis um back to you what do you think are the key elements of a successful dubbing when you've got um when you're managing a project in my opinion uh we have two key elements that starts with a great translator that translator that is not just a translator is a tv translator also of course also um the director it's the one that is going to work with that copy and and the talents and those two elements are vital to give credibility to any dub uh, project because if we don't have a good translator and and um and it's for example too much text the director cannot work with that so a lot of editing is necessary and of course you know the relationship between the director and the talents so the talent can project well and at the end i think that the goal is that the viewer doesn't think that what they're watching is a dubbing it's just like a regular show on tv it has a the key is credibility if i'm i grew up watching dub shows in my in my original country and i never thought oh that that show is dubbed i imagine that those people were speaking in spanish my native language so a good dub show is the one that people believe that is is in your in the in the language that they are watching it so uh, I, I, I i would like to add that. something to that i'd like to add something to that something i tell a lot of the new directors that come in and to add to that is if your work is not seen is when you've done it right exactly exactly yeah. right exactly yeah. right yes yes yeah absolutely Gakcheo, do you want to add uh, something to this question? Is there something that you think it's a key element to the uh, success of a dubbing, or at least um, not having the client, uh, you know, call you back and say, "Hey, we had a problem." <laughs> I mean, cultural awareness and casting voice talents are the key elements in successful dubbing. I I believe. and absolutely high tech recording studios and facilities well fantastic um i have a question for um simran specifically but of course feel free to weigh in uh, in the in response um in your specific countries um tell us a little bit about the process of 
uh, text adaptation. Do you use it? Is it something fundamental as far as lip sync is concerned? How does it work? How does lip sync work or how does adaptation work? Can you refer? Can you yeah, specifically adaptation. Uh, is it something that, um, it, is it done in the studio? Is it done prior to entering the studio? Is it, um, how, how does it, it work? It is, it, is, it is done prior to uh, coming in. The, the script does go to a writer before, but there is a large uh, part of the adaptation and lip sync that does unfortunately get handled during the dubbing process. So our writers get it as close as possible, but a lot of the, the innovative adaptation, I feel does come from a lot of the dub directors who kind of go with the character and the performance. And some of that also does come from your performers. There are plays and things that the performer offers you and you kind of use that in the process. So I think it's a collaborative uh, yeah. effort between your writer, director and performer. So yeah, perfectly and, clear. It's uh, basically a, a team effort uh, from, from all parts. Yeah. And with, with lip sync, uh, I, I have a couple of rules where I'm like, I love getting great lip sync, but I don't like compromising on the flow of language to get that lip sync. And I've seen a lot of people do that. And it, I'm like, it, if something is bouncing out and bothering me because your sentence construction has changed for lip sync, I would prefer the, the correct language so that it flows because I'm not staring at everybody's lips all the time. Exactly. So yeah. I, I, I like, I, I kind of like to find a mid path between what is the least offensive. Let's go with that. Do you want to add uh, anything on the topic, uh, Gokche or Isis? No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, everything look, needs to look natural. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's the goal. You know, that the viewer is the one that doesn't feel like the, they are watching something dubbed, and that's the goal. Every client, every, all our clients, you know, that's the, the you know the quality of the dub has to be that the viewer doesn't realize that they are watching something dubbed. Uh, I would like to add to that, actually. So one is that the viewer doesn't feel like they're watching something dubbed. But on the other side, we're also not fooling anyone into thinking that is the original language. So there is a dance in between that that we kind of have to do where we do justice to the original script. And it's going to be in another language. So we're not Fantastic. fooling anybody. Yeah. Question for Gakche. Uh, what do you think makes a good or an excellent project manager? An excellent, I don't know if I'm an excellent project manager, but I try to be. And I need to be very detail-oriented and keep all the details of that client's demand and convey them in every detail to our internal teams, like casting teams, mixing teams, and recording teams. And also, I think... A, Good project manager should have international points of view and broader sense of the world. Yeah, I believe that a, um, a general broad culture uh, has to be there for a dubbing project manager and a dubbing um, director to, uh, to work on a project. So um, I've got a question for Simran. Um, how do you deal specifically with cultural differences between the original version and the dubbed version in your uh, specific country? 
so uh, we've actually been having a lot of discussion and debate over the last few years over that i feel uh, we i like to stick as close to the original director's vision uh, i don't like to soften things because they might be culturally you know harsh for communities here to uh, view or listen to but i feel like if you've chosen to watch that show i don't want to water it down in any way so i don't culturally water down or or make it more palatable to an indian audience or an international audience uh i i i truly believe that adaptation needs to be very minimal i don't make i don't like there was a culture in india especially uh for many years of adapting everything to indian context including sport and food and things like that i don't feel like that's the right way to go because i mean how else do you broaden your horizons as as a viewer like everything for, cannot everything cannot be packaged back to india i imagine uh, what you meant by that is that for example a sport figure from the states would be uh would become an indian one for example exact would probably become an indian cricketer but i'm like everything <laughs> in the world cannot be an indian cricketer right and how else do you learn and what is it you'll watch it you'll hear the name you won't know it you'll google it that's great you've learned something new right and i i i i truly believe we our audiences are far smarter than we give them credit for but uh, don't you. don't you think that sometimes in my in my experience i have clients that says you need to soften the cursing because we don't want you know to be cursing all around because they that's the client that's the client so i absolutely get where you're coming from so when cursing is used as an as an intensifier there oh. can be non curse words in your language that kind of uh, help the intensifying exactly. of a line yeah right and i feel uh, sometimes uh, using curse words of the same uh, intensity uh, doesn't work culturally so i'm i'm going i'm going to say some uh, curse words i hope that's okay but like in in when we adapt from english to in indian shows fuck is used very easily right mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily you can't use the equivalent in indian so there are milder words that get used but of the similar intensity but they may not translate to what what you're saying in the original english exactly no no i agree i have a yeah. client specifically that they they require to soften all cursing so we have to adapt because that's the that's the request from the client so we have to abide to that so that well, those cases are very um you know that is where that is where a project manager and a director will disagree and we will debate and then you will, will go back and yes. talk to the pro- yeah. yeah but going going back to the going back to the the previous question i think that the the communication among teams you know yeah. among the direct with the director with the translators with the uh casting director they're so important as a project manager because we as project managers we need to see the the full scope so where is everyone you know in terms of a project that's so so important well i'll i'll take advantage of what you talked just talked about uh isis uh for the next question how do you handle team conflict whenever it arises in in the work that you do uh let's hear from uh, gokche or or isis Uh, go ahead, Gocha. And actually, in just the two minutes ago, like this, when we have team conflict, everyone uh, says their opinion about the concept, and 
generally in the end we consult the client about the which way to choose all right and so you go back to the client and, and ask for their opinion what about you isis do you resolve internally is there somebody yeah, who takes always, charge? Always, yeah i do i mean that's you know it's, i always uh, resolve it internally and we always find a way that we always put out the fires before it reach the client and and that's that's the way that we try to do it always and at the end the end result is what it matters you know um so yeah you know it's a lot of communication i always you know i always say to everybody let's talk about it let's find a solution let's find a, let's find a plan b and it, all, it always works at the end to be honest marvelous uh so question for uh, simran um um, how much creative freedom do you have in the dubbing process? And if you could put that into, say, a percentage in which zero is zero and 100 is complete freedom, uh, would you be able to rate it with a percentage? So zero is complete freedom? Is what you no, said? No, in, in this case, 100% would be complete freedom complete and zero freedom. would be okay. complete absence. So in terms of uh, the dubbing process, we are coloring within the lines of what is there originally. But I feel like we do have a lot of creative freedom to, especially with the work that we are doing uh, over the last few years and the kind of content that is coming out of India and coming into India. Uh, we do have creative freedom to play and adapt to, best, uh, to the best of our capabilities. I, I would say we are at a good 50 well, 50 is not bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. I also um, do I also do voice my opinion a lot with clients, going back to what Isis was saying. So I do uh, do reach out to clients and give them my feedback on how I think something should be treated or we think something should be treated. And we do have uh, very receptive clients right now, which is great. It's a very collaborative process. That's so wonderful. Tough, yeah. Tough question for Isis and Gokche. Um uh, what um, what was the hardest challenge you had to face as a project management? Of course, um, feel free to uh, tell us a brief anecdote. Uh, well, for us, I think that uh, going through COVID was a very big challenge uh, because um, never before we have experienced something like that. And, um, and luckily our clients were very um, understanding that, you know, we sometimes if we have a talent that was not feeling good enough, you know, we, they extended the delivery dates, et cetera. But COVID was a big challenge for us in terms of, you know, in, in particular with the, not just with the talents, with everybody in the teams, you know, because everybody was getting sick. But uh, luckily we were always, were able to deliver and and to finalize projects. But that was a challenging time for us. Well, what about you, Gokche? Uh, actually, yes, COVID is a really important factor in our job as well. And actually, the high demand in Turkish dubbing resulted in the inavailability of the voice actors, voice talents. They cannot be reached all the time. And sometimes we have some pickups left to deliver the project, but we cannot reach them immediately. So that's a challenge. And one of the other challenges, actually, the censorship we have to do in 
our content. And I think these are all. Um, so I've got a question for uh, Simran. Um, do you ever uh, prepare specifically for, uh, for a title? For example, let's say that you are to dub a uh, medical drama. Do you do specific research on that field or uh, is the research uh, uh, tied primarily to the single phrase, to the single uh, scene and so forth? I actually have done, uh, we did this uh, show where we deal with students who are from IIT who are applying for engineering school and stuff. So there's a lot of mathematics and stuff that happens in those scenes and formulas. So I actually made sure that I had people on my team who understood the mathematics being discussed so that when we did those adaptations, we weren't getting them wrong. And we would repeat it. We actually had our scripts go out to people who have done the courses that we were talking about to kind of read through and see, you know, is it making sense? Is it sounding right? Is the lingo, the language correct? Is it correct for the age group that is talking about it? Are the words correct? So we do. And also when uh, we have certain foreign languages that we are going to retain and we're going to probably uh, dub phonetically, uh, I do try and make sure that there are people in the room who speak that language. Because I, for me, it's, uh, it's a horror if somebody is going to watch it on air and they know that it's been dubbed phonetically and they can tell. That is just a no-no. So I make sure that we have uh, native speakers in the room who can tell me whether it sounds bad or not. <laughs> Marvelous. Um, so I question for Isis and Gokche. Well, I personally get to work every day with a smile on my face because I absolutely love this job. And it for me, okay, this, the boss shouldn't be hearing this, but it's like I'm not working every time because <laughs> I, I enjoy it too much. So what is your uh, favorite part of your day-to-day -day job, of your, of your position? Isis. Oh, okay. Um, the favorite part, I would say, is that when we have like a, a very big project that requires a lot of elements and, you know, uh, services and this and that, when the client receives all the materials, everything, and I probably, I don't know, like two weeks later, three weeks later, they call me. Like Isis, we, we wash everything, everything is fine. Um, we, we are really um, proud of the content and, you know, that type of feedback from the client for me is the best. Of course, sometimes, you know, uh, clients, they don't call you or don't, they don't say anything. But when they do, for me, they made my day. Because, I, first of all, I don't, I'm never expect, you know, like that type of feedback because it's not the common, you know, the common uh, they usually don't do it, but when I when I do receive it, it's for me. It's like perfect perfection. Gokcha, you want to weigh in in uh, this response? Sure. Uh, my favorite part is certainly meeting new people across the world and keeping touch with them, and biweekly or triweekly calls through Zoom like this or through Teams meetings. I like international perspectives. I absolutely get what you mean, and I love it as well. So I think that we're getting uh, closer to uh, the end of our time today. I will ask each and one of you a takeaway phrase. Like, think of it as, uh, you know, advertisement. If you had to say something to 
the next generation of people that will be working in the localization work try to sell us this work? What will you say? Uh, I will say you learn something every day. Like not not one client is alike. I mean, it's every 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 project is different, and you always learn something new. Like even when you think like, oh no, I, I've been working in localization for many many years. There's something like, oh, I didn't thought about that. So always it surprised me, you know, with that with, with those things. Well, what about you, Gokche? Um, it may be a little cliche, but I would say think globally and act localized, act locally. Fantastic. What about you, Simran? Uh, I would say that as a, especially to directors coming in, uh, outside directing original content, you kind of stick to a genre. Here, every day you're going to walk in, you have a different genre to work on. You're doing comedy, you're doing horror, you're doing thrillers. It's freaking amazing. The quality of work you get to do is amazing. I wholeheartedly agree. So that went by super fast. I would love to stay with you all day and talk about localization. Maybe one day it's going to happen. Uh, thanks to EGA for having organized this podcast. Special thanks to Scout Hammond from EGA. And thanks to all the lovely participants, Isis, Simran, and Gokche. I hope we can say that we all love our industry. I feel blessed being able to meet such brilliant people working in the same field every day. Thanks for listening. And as the French would say, vive la localisation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.